Welcome to the Chicana Motherwork Podcast. We hope you enjoyed our show. We are a collective of Chicana PhD mother scholars, artists, and activists. We created Chicana Motherwork to amplify the lived experiences of mothers of color within and outside academia. Together, as the Chicana Motherwork Collective, we theorize, write, organize, mother, and create spaces for communal healing and care out of our shared belief that the labor of mothering is a transformative act. Porque sin madres no hay revolución. Hi, this is Trina Green-Brown, creator and founder of Parenting for Liberation. And hi, this is Cecilia Caballero, co-founder of Chicana Motherwork. And we are here to do a joint podcast again. Um, Cecilia and I had the privilege to go into a California women's prison and facilitate a three-session workshop series called Raising Liberated Children. And so for this podcast, we're going to spend some time talking about how we came to develop this workshop series, um, what the different sessions were on and what the learnings were for us and also for the participants and also do share some of the takeaways that we um, have about this series and how impactful it was not only for the participants but also for ourselves and we'll also weave in some of the elements and stories from some of the participants um, that they shared with us in writing um, through art and also through poetry. So first we could start with, uh, we're going to talk about the prep work that it took to kind of get us to the point of doing the workshop. So um, Trina, did you want to share a little bit more about um, how you thought of the project since you were the one that asked me to join? Yeah, so I am a member of a network called Resonance Network that is doing incredible work to seed and invest in different experiments that are working to create a new world, that are working to build liberation um, in many innovative ways. And so at one point early on in the life of Parenting for Liberation, Resonance seeded my first event um, of Parenting for Liberation when I brought parents together. Um, Just Attention International had also received funds to do to introduce art workshops in in various prisons. So they do work to end sexual violence in prison, to end rape culture in prison. And so we were on the same innovation cycle. So we all had different projects, but we shared about them together um, in the residence network. And so as I shared what I was doing with parents and they shared what they were doing in prisons, they approached me and said, well, what if you brought parenting workshops into prison? And I was like, huh, that's interesting. And so, you know, we had tossed around the idea. So when Resonance opened up its innovation fund again, um, we were like, let's try it, you know? And so that's how it came. It, it came from this idea of innovation. When you bring two things that you don't think actually go together um, and you put two minds together, some innovative creative things can happen, right? You can spur up some new way it's not like they're two new things, but when you bring them together, it made something new. And so that's how it that's how it started. And when I first thought about the project, I was like excited. And then I also had some hesitation and reservations because I believe in liberation and I believe in prison abolition. And so I was thinking, you know, how can you be an abolitionist and work in prison? Or how could you believe that prisons are not good for the people who are going there? They're not rehabilitating people. 
why would you go and support this institution and provide a workshop? Because it's like you're condoning the institution is what, you know, I was starting to critique myself. Um, and, you know, it's a complex, nuanced conversation, but I came to the conclusion in conversation with you and other folks that, like, these folks are locked up and they're incarcerated. And until we abolish prisons, like, we can't leave these folks behind. And we have to go in there and provide services and support and uplift and encourage um, and they also need to be practicing liberation even when they're locked up in this, in these cages. And so, um, so I was like, yes, let's go into these prisons and talk about liberation. And so that's what we did. So I met with Trina and two uh, people from Just Attention International, Vivian and Vanessa. And we were talking about, well, what theme can we bring to this workshop series, you know, the amount, of, the amount of time, how many people, what would be most effective. And so there were all these questions, but we weren't sure what theme we could do. And so the topic, as we all shared about ourselves and why we're doing the work that we're doing, we all kind of came to the same theme, which was intergenerational trauma and the ways the four of us all as women of color who have shared paths in terms of um, coming from households of violence or abuse or addiction, alcoholism, really wanting to bring that theme, put it in a different light because we were also talking about, or at least myself specifically, that there is still a lot of internalized shame and internalized blame as if somehow people who have survived uh, really traumatic things as if somehow it's our fault or we're not strong enough or somehow we deserved it. And so we wanted to use the theme of intraditional trauma to, from a radical women of color perspective, which is the work that Trina and I do specifically, and to bring that to a parenting workshop to try to uh, make those connections of the way that pain is passed down from generation to generation and and how can we stop this cycle so i think later vivian said it was almost kind of like magic that the way it really came together and how much it resonated with the four of us but also um later with the participants and even the general public which also became very interested in uh the workshop that we did I remember just saying, like, before we even try to figure out what the topic is, like, let's just introduce ourselves and share a little bit about your identity and how you came to this work. And from that, it was like the storytelling, the vulnerability, the way people made the connections and started to weave with each other's stories just really made it clear that we all as women of color had experienced um, intergenerational trauma and that it was really important to help the women who are incarcerated identify the intergenerational trauma and also be able to think about ways to interrupt the cycle and break the cycle of generational trauma. And so we landed on three workshops. We came up with the themes of past, present, and future and thought about really how to use art as a pathway to tell story. And so the workshops, the topics were session one was around introducing generational trauma um, session two was about breaking the cycle of trauma from f for future generations. So looking at the way that they are parenting currently and like their relationship to the current generation. Um, and then the final session was from trauma to triumph, mothering ourselves and the future. So that healing piece. Um, and so we're going to just kind of go through and talk about each session, 
kind of our experience being in the prison. What did we learn? What were the conversations that we had each session by session? You want to start with session one? Yeah. So session one, I think, was really, um, I think it was exciting because it was just the first day. We had all of these ideas, but not only that, just the excitement of doing something new, but uh, or doing this for the first time, but it was also because um, the day before we were told at first to have a maximum of around 12 participants. So we designed the curriculum for a, a small intimate group setting, but somehow we're still not clear how this happened, <laughs> but somehow there was, um, they were on <laughs> lockdown. Yeah. <laughs> like something happened. So we had, flyers we had an application um but i don't think the flyers were ever put out or the applications didn't go out because they were on lockdown but vanessa because she works um there in the prison was able to spread the word around and then next thing you know there are 40 people signed up and uh so we get there and we have a packed room 40 people and then there was maybe I would say about 15 more who wanted to add. So we were only able to take uh, the 40, but uh, I think hopefully it's going to show um, the warden and others uh, who work uh, in administrative positions at the prison that this kind of work is really needed and it's really necessary. I remember like us both being like, there's a need. So like, let's not turn anyone away. Let's take them all. And we were like, our ancestors got us like we were called to be here for this purpose so like let's do it and so we were both like yes we got this we're gonna do it and so we were like all 40 and I think it has something to do with the title so the title of the class the workshop was raising liberated kids and before we had a title that was called parenting without bars um, but we had to change the title because um, our class is not and institution approved parenting class that would be like one of those mandated parenting workshops that folks would have to take if they want to like reconnect or reunite with their children and so because it wasn't explicitly to folks who needed mandated parenting workshops and it was broader to just folks who wanted to raise their children from a liberated place and also wanted to break from intergenerational trauma there was just so much interest um, and as Cecilia said, it was interest beyond just the folks in the prison because we shared out on our social media that we were doing this workshop, but we couldn't be super explicit about where we were doing it for um, confidentiality purposes. So folks thought we were doing it in community. And so folks were like trying to sign up and wanted to go. And so it's a huge desire. And so we're super excited to be sharing about what we did. And we really want to think about ways to bring it out into the community. Yeah, just to echo what Trina's saying, I'm really, I was really excited. I think Trina, you posted it on your social media for Parenting for Liberation. And then I reposted it. And then other people, other accounts reposted it. So um, I think even before we did the first workshop, we already saw all these comments of people who were really interested and wanted to sign up right away. And, you know, it was really exciting. Um, and so I'm also looking forward to ways that we can bring this to um, communities, families, and maybe even online. Um, so we have a lot of ideas and I'm looking forward to how this can grow and not only continue the work with the prisons because we do wanna go back and do it again but also for our communities. 
Yeah. All right. So session one. So we get in there. It's 40 people. So we have to change up the curriculum a little bit. Um, we have planned to do like more like small group conversations, but now we didn't have a small group. We had these large groups, so we had to in improvise. Um, but each session we in introduced um, story mapping, utilizing art, um, and they were super excited about like being able to color and draw. So we brought markers and color pencils and crayons and they were like, we get to color and we we're like, yes. And so they were really excited about that. And we introduced ourselves and we shared a little bit about our own story as a way to like practice vulnerability and sharing to build um, rapport and connection. Um, some other things that we did, which I think we saw and the feedback um, at the end was that we introduced ourselves to each person as they came in, like we shook their hands and was like, hi, what's up? What's your name? Our name is blah, blah, blah. Like we didn't create this, like we're the facilitator and you're the, you're the, you know, prisoner and create this like binary. We were like, going to each table and just talking to people because they literally arrived 30 minutes early. So like there was super desire and interest to be there and appetite. And so we were just being in relationship with them. And so we introduced ourselves. We shared both of our story maps. We explained, we talked a lot about intergenerational trauma, what it meant, our own experiences. And then we invited them to start doing their art. Yeah, I think the first session, we just got straight into it. So on that first day, they drew images or um, words, whatever they wanted about their childhoods. And for a lot of them, they did come from places of violence, trauma, and uh, one, one participant was not able to draw anything at all. But still, uh, she even just the fact that she stayed through the whole session and she came back for the next two uh, was able to be there in community. I do remember there was um, another person at her table because she was very emotional, uh, was not able to draw anything, but uh, another woman from her table came and gave her um, a hug, just showing her care and concern. And then uh, Vanessa, who, um, who works with um, mental health and survivors of sexual assault, was able to go over and speak with her, you know, to give her that help as well and that support you know Trina and I would just go there were like five tables and we would go to different tables and just talk with them and see where they're at or if they just needed any support so they shared really um they were very uh, vulnerable in what they were sharing and I think it was the act of doing it in community and having people um witness it and share these difficult stories. So I do think it was um, emotionally pretty difficult and it was really hard work. So, you know, Trina, I do want to acknowledge just how hard it was. You know, healing is not easy as Tony K. Bambara reminds us, but these women um, right away were willing to join us in this journey and do this work together. Yeah, thanks for bringing that in because, um, yeah, what we were inviting them into and asking them to do was to really crack open um, their past. So the first session, again, was around internal um, intergenerational trauma and, like, thinking about the past and, like, how were you parented and how does that influence who you are today? So really reflecting on some of that. 
and you know a lot of their past experiences had trauma similar to my own right like have stories around trauma um but we as they went around it started to get really heavy and you could you could feel the like heaviness in the room around um the storytelling about the past you know violence and drugs and addiction and you know poverty and you know homelessness or shelters or you know the the traumatic experiences that folks had been through and i kept encouraging and inviting folks to think about the resiliency that um, took place in their communities and so um and in their families and so we often talked about there was the trauma and also you're still here still standing so like there's the trauma and also what's the resiliency what's the healing that has happened or that needs to happen so that you can still be here and so it was the both end of that of the trauma and the and the resiliency that we were um, inviting folks to name in their past panel of their story map as a, as facilitators we knew that this work would be the work that the women were doing would be very heavy so I was thinking, well, what can, what is poetry we can um, share with them that will kind of demonstrate that strength and resiliency that Trina uh, was speaking about? So I thought of Maya Angelou's Still I Rise, and Trina made this beautiful little card with a, an image of Maya Angelou, and then about like three or four stanzas of uh, Still I Rise. And we went around and had um, volunteers read out loud. And then, Trina, you asked for the remix. <laughs> I love a good remix. <laughs> yeah, so we did it again. And so I think this is at the very end. So this is how we close that first session. And to hear a room full of women who have survived so much in their lives um, and are still struggling. Um, but also having so much um, strength and power just to hear these women who are incarcerated uh, to say over and over again, I rise, I rise, I rise. It just, I can't even describe what that energy of the room felt like. It was like chills um, and they felt it and we felt it and it was like, yes. Um, yeah, we're going to post uh, with our blogs and with our post, we'll post the pictures of the different poetry cards that they received. They were super excited to take it away. They're like, can we keep these? Um, and I, we were like, yes, put it up in your bunk. Like you are rising and you are continuing to rise and thrive. And so that was the way that we closed the session. And I'm so glad that um, Cecilia, as a poet and writer, um, reminded me to like, make sure we bring that every week as a close and they really enjoyed it. And so it became a consistent thing throughout the weeks. One thing that we didn't think about was um, Trina and I somehow, even though um, we've worked, we facilitated the session on really um, self and community care. But after we exited the prison, so we realized because we went right through dinner and didn't have dinner and so by the time we left it was like around nine and we get there at like so, 30. so like we literally go all the way through dinner and so for some reason you know Trina and I later I was laughing about it and I'm like oh my god Trina and I are both moms and we just didn't I don't know why just I was running around that day before going there I didn't have like snacks in my bag or <laughs> we didn't bring 
we didn't even bring water with us inside the prison because we weren't sure if we could bring water or not. And later we found out we could. Um, Trina had these little like sample fun-sized <laughs> popcorn bags in the back. <laughs> so we just like ate that popcorn as fast as I don't even know what. Like <laughs> it was gone in like 10 seconds. <laughs> Oh my god, we showed that popcorn. <laughs> we were ravished. We were ravished. We had yeah, so we, yeah, I'm like, we needed something. And it's just like, so for all of the work that we did, it's like, how do we nourish ourselves? And so it just seems like such an obvious question, but it's not when um, every day it's, uh, you know, just dealing with the multiple intersectionalities, you know, racism, sexism, classism, and then not not feeling like we ever have enough time. And then what about us at the end of the day, right? right. And then so um, Trina, I think at the second session, she revealed that because we were so tired <laughs> by the time we got home, or by the time I got home, and Trina's like, well, I didn't even take a shower. <laughs> <laughs> and and then she shared that with the the group at the second session. So there's there was a little running joke about that. Yeah. But um, so we could talk about what we did. <laughs> so now we're going to talk about um, session two, and then we'll talk about the self care that we did implement after that second session. Yeah. Thank you for that. Just bringing up the fact that like, as facilitators, folks who are holding space, like we also need to think about how we hold ourselves with care. Um, and I think leaving the session, like we didn't think about the vicarious trauma that we would experience as facilitators who are listening to 40 people share these traumatic stories. And I remember telling, I think I was telling you that like in the moment, of course, as people are telling me hard stories, I'm holding them, I'm internalizing it all. And like, and I'm also exuding joy and positivity and upliftment. So I'm giving that away, but also receiving the trauma. So by the time I got home, I just had all this trauma and I had no more joy. I had no more to give. I was hangry because I hadn't eaten. I was giving my family a hard time. It was just, I was a mess, right? And so I was just like, I was worried as I was thinking about the way that I was experiencing the trauma and the stories, experiencing it vicariously. I was starting to be worried like, oh my goodness, like um, we did give them the poem at the end, but we didn't really talk about self-care and like, how are they going to take care of themselves when they get back? And so when we began session two, we immediately started with that. We immediately like checked in with them, like, you know, after that session last week and you did all of that hard work and sharing all of the past pains, what did you do to take care of yourself and heal? And they came up with this incredible list of self-care strategies. Um, I have it written down, so I'll name some of the things that they said that they did um, in between session one and session two. Um, someone actually went and connected with their family, so like wrote them a letter um, about intergenerational trauma and shared stories that they had never shared with their children before, um, which was powerful. It was like, because we talked about the, the one of the ways to interrupt intergenerational trauma is to not keep secrets in the family and to actually tell the truth and share stories. And so this person immediately did that. Um, some folks took a walk, they listened to music, they wrote songs, they read books, they talked, they went to their mental health therapist on site, they colored um, and someone pointed out that they took a shower and that's when the running joke started because they took a shower and I had to admit like, I didn't take a shower. 
Um, and so then they <laughs> started to hold me accountable through the rest of the sessions about like me committing to, you know, taking a shower. And so session two really became about themselves in the present, right? Like what are they doing currently in their lives as parents, as women to interrupt the trauma and to interrupt the cycle. And so that's what session two was about. It was about the present. Yeah, I think the the story map portion of it was, um, although session one was heavy, uh, I feel like session two was actually the heaviest in terms of energy because we did ask them to talk more about um, the present. But of course, the present means being currently incarcerated. Um, some had shorter sentences, some um, had already served many years, um, and then some were lifers. So to ask them to work together and do this with them, I think uh, the energy again was, it was very difficult to kind of work, how to do this, how to do this work uh, in terms of um, the story map and sharing. But I think we also wanted to, we did ask them to talk about current strategies that they're using. Patrina and I both shared that, um, especially as women of color, um, very often we don't see our own families practicing um, forms of self-care or sometimes even community care or even what those concepts are. So, you know, for example, my mom, I talked about my mom and how she, um, you know, works at Taco Bell and is always trying to um, still work and serve and support uh, her family. So, um, so we did, although we did talk about their current uh, incarceration and for some of them to be there, what it means to be there for life, but also what does it mean to um, parent from prison and that there are ways, there are ways to disrupt and break these cycles. Yeah. And something, again, we brought in poetry for session two. That became the running thing. They were always like waiting for their poetry card. Um, and this particular week, we knew that we were going to be talking about them being a place, um, you know, a concrete place, a place that is encaged and they're locked up and away. Um, and so we brought in the poem, The Rose That Grew From Concrete by Tupac Shakur. And it's really speaking about the ability to even in traverse terrain in places that are infertile, that don't have a lot of resources, that aren't really trying to uplift you, that are really trying to hold you down, that even a rose can grow in concrete. So that again, we kept pushing them or bringing them towards the resiliency piece that yes, they're incarcerated right now and it's really heavy, but really having to, them to think about the resilience, right? And so the blooming within the walls and like many of them name me like, this is the concrete that I'm growing from right now because I'm here for life. Yeah, so uh, my friend, her name's Nancy. So shout out, Nancy. Uh, hey, Nancy. She, um, <laughs> yeah, and it just really kind of happened spontaneously. Um, Trina made, again, this beautiful little card with an image of a rose and then um, the words from the poem. So um, we wanted to bring in healing stones and oils and sprays. And so the answer was pretty much no <laughs> for everything. <laughs> so, um, so we couldn't bring the oils and we couldn't bring the stones or anything like that. But my friend Nancy from session one, she uh, brought a bottle of rose oil and so for session two, 
I said, oh, the rose oil. I said, that would be perfect for the rose legs from concrete just to put some of this oil right on the card to give it that scent. And then so um, we passed out the cards and I told them the story. I said, my friend Nancy, you know, she's like a, a queer uh, woman of color, abolitionist, healer. Um, so she's just down, just down as fuck for anything like uh, about liberation. <laughs> so, of course, she was honored. She said, yes, of course, take it. And so I told them the story, the participants, and um, they were so moved. They were just so um, grateful. And it really was, I didn't expect, I didn't even expect their response to how touched they were that someone was thinking of them with care and love um, from outside, from out there, that, that, they, that they had value as human beings, as women. And, um, so I think that it, they just loved it. Um, I think the funny part was that like, we were told no by the institution that we couldn't bring a lot of stuff. And then we just figured out ways to like bring contraband inside. No, just kidding. It wasn't contraband, but like <laughs> the rose oil, I was like, we wanted to bring in healing scents because we knew that this was going to be heavy. So we wanted to bring in sage. We wanted to bring in, you know, lavender. We wanted to bring in all these scents. Um, and we couldn't like bring in liquids and things like that. But for it to be on this card, um, I have one in front of me and it still smells like the rose oil and um, just the power of like herb, herbs as medicine and healing um, and aromatherapy. And so we had a chance to talk about that as well um, related to this card. Yeah. So then the other thing about session two I could think of is the we did an activity, um, green light red light Latrina thought of it actually yeah and I really like the the reason that the red light green light activity came up because I was just thinking about like childhood so we had just told them last week think about your childhood think about growing up and how you were parented and then we're saying this week think about how what kind of parent you are in the present and so I was like oh what's a fun game that we used to play as kids and a lot of them remembered it like red light green light you know you would run and then when it said red light you'd have to freeze and that's what we really wanted to do. <laughs> it's like, what do you want to start doing um, that you don't do currently as a parent? Um, and it was also about like for yourself too. Like I want to practice self-care. You know, what are the things you want to start doing with green? Um, as you said, and then the yellow um, was really like, you know, we were talking about like when the yellow light comes on the car, like it's not, you don't have to stop. You kind of keep going, kind of cruise through the light. So it's like, what are the things that you want to keep doing that you like actually already have practices? Um, that are liberated and liberatory in your parenting and your way of being. So what are those practices that you want to continue doing? Um, and so that's how we use the red light, green light um, activity. And again, I have those as well um, and we can post them, but like um, I'll just read one of them. So green light, things they want to start is to work out, to take care of themselves, to, to communicate better, to build a relationship with their children and their family, to love more, um, to stay with their different kind of mental health programs um, and to go to church and pray. And the things that they want to keep doing that they feel like they've already started doing, um, they want to keep yellow light on, is keep communicating, being consistent, to set goals and accomplish them, um, and to keep a good job. And then the things they want to stop, red, um, is stop living in a, in a negative lifestyle, um, they want to stop hating less. They want to stop cussing. They want to stop getting down on themselves and shaming and nagging. And so those are just like, that's just one example. And we had five different groups. The, the five tables um, kind of were um, 
brainstorming and speaking together and there were a lot of um, similarities in terms of um, things they wanted to stop doing and things that they wanted to start doing. So I remember one thing in particular, in particular that stands out is um, a lot of them wrote that they did not have physical affection as children or they were not told that they were loved. And um, there was a, you know, physical abuse, verbal abuse that they wanted to stop and then, and then wanting to do more of those um, loving and uh, caretaking kind of practices. And there was like, like Cecilia said, there was some consistency. And so again, it concluded with this idea that they actually have agency, even though behind bars, they have agency to make commitments to themselves and to their children and to their families to start, stop doing. And then some of them said that they would try to have that conversation with their families over the phone, um, with their children about like, what are some of the things that their children need to start doing, stop doing and continue doing. And so they said it was a cool activity that they can try with other folks. Yeah, and I think so. I think it did end on that um, that note of um, of things they all they are already doing and things that they want to do. So you know, forward, future facing. How we ended session two was having them each go around and write on an index card um, a stanza or a line for a "Still I Rise" poem, and so. If you remember on session one, we introduced Maya Angelou Still I Rise and they read it and they said, I rise, I rise, I rise. And so we had each of them say an I, like write an I rise stanza. Um, and then we said it as a collective group. And then at the end we said, I rise, I rise, I rise. And so there were, you know, things like I've been in prison for seven years, but still I rise. Um, people say I'm not a good mother, but still I rise, you know, different kind of statements that folks wrote. And so like to have 40 different statements collected um, and, you know, it was, it was intentionally wrote on a note card because we collected them because we had a surprise for them for the closing week. Um, I won't give that away yet, but it, again, it was a powerful way to close with them naming the trauma that they've been through and that they still continue to rise. And so I just wanted to name that. Um, and the other thing I would add about session two, about our own trauma when we got out, and um, and this time we were more strategic about our self-care after we left. So, so we had brought water inside, so we actually hydrated um, while we were doing the session, and Cecilia had snacks, and I like, she gave me an apple and some bar, and then when we got to my house, I had brought sage, um, and so we saged ourselves before we like went into our homes. And so that was actually really healing. We like each took turns and like help each other to cleanse all of the like energy and trauma and all of the kind of feeling of being in a prison um, off of our bodies. So we did that and that was really healing and I actually felt much better and I did take a shower that day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they wanted to know. Uh, no, session, to know three, session three, they were like, did you take a shower? <laughs> And then we used to, we start doing this clap where you to get people's attentions we would like clap and then we would go shh and I used to call it a rain like can you just clap and give me a rainfall but then it started being called the shower clap because they were trying to clown me for not taking a shower so on to session three so s session three was um, it was good I think um, the thing that was different about session three is that although it was our last meeting of um our participants were already there waiting for us so 
so we go in there and the last thing that we did is uh, we completed their story map in terms of what they envision for themselves in the future. And here, Trina, you, you made me think about this from the book, uh, Patrice Culler's book, um, When They Call You a Terrorist, where it seems as though um, the women, there's a certain narrative that's forced upon to the prisoners that they uh, internalize, you know, the quote unquote um, crimes that they did when in reality it's not, of course, because it's a, it's um, the state and the prison industrial complex, how they're framed as, you know, individual failings about themselves as women and as mothers. So what Trina said is, well, it, it seems like they are, um, taking too much accountability. So did you want to say more about that, Trina? Yeah, I totally read in Patrice Kahn Colors when they call you a terrorist, and y'all should totally read that. Um, and also just thinking about the narrative that they were sharing throughout the sessions together is that they had internalized so much responsibility and accountability. And I think accountability is beautiful and great, but like no one was accountable to them. I was really getting frustrated with that, especially because it was like our last session. And I was like, I do not want them to walk away thinking that they are bad people and they made bad choices and that's why they're in prison. And I wanted to really hold the frame around like they didn't fail. The systems also failed them. And that um, when I think about the stories that they share about their past, it's like, where were the resources in their community? Where were the jobs for their families? Um, how did drugs get funneled into their communities? Why was gang gang involvement the only way to be safe in community? You know, just thinking about the way communities of color and poor communities are policed and, and there's a scarcity of resources and there aren't really options. So when I think about this idea that someone made a bad choice, it would imply that you had an option are multiple options to choose from and then you chose the bad one but really it's like there are no there aren't any options and the choices that folks have to choose from are all bad and so I really wanted to like bring that narrative in and talk about the prison industrial complex but I was in the prison you know and I was like how do we talk about this um there was so much internalized like oppression happening in the group and and you can't just walk into a group talking about internalized oppression. You got to like let them get to that place. And so I was like, we totally need to come back for 201 for all the folks who've been through it. It's like, yes, you created these story maps of like your own personal trauma stories. But also now I want you to take another story map version that like looks at the institutions that failed you or look at the systems that were at play that made those choices the only choices for your family. So that's the 2.0 version. But in the group, you know, I tried to like, you know, drop a little of that here and there. And they were like, uh, not just a little. <laughs> I was trying to be a no, little. Trina oh, went in. I was like, oh, shit. So <laughs> Trina said, I'm a feminist with like her fist in the air. I'm like. Yeah. Oh, like, go ahead. How did I bring it up. I talked about it as a self-care strategy. That's how I brought yeah, it. Uh -huh. it was like super covert, yeah. it in, right? Because we were like, you know, what do you do to take care of yourself and to heal? Um, because we had brought another poem by a black mother named Nikki Patton, um, who wrote a poem about put your own oxygen mask on first, about like taking care of yourself as a mother first. 
Um, and so I was saying like the way that I healed from my trauma was to be an activist and to organize myself and to educate myself on systems so that I would not keep blaming myself for my problems that actually it wasn't me. It was sexism and racism and classism. And so I started like dropping those little things. Um, so I went in patriarchy and patriarchy. <laughs> but you know who did it? You were like, you were in it. <laughs> you were bringing the truth and the light. But you know, you did it in this beautiful way too. And I was like, that was also a cool sly way to bring it in. When you talked about, you know, you brought back the poem, The Rose from the Concrete. Um, and you talked about the conditions about the rose and the concrete. You want to talk about how you did that? Because that was cool too. So to follow up from session two, when we gave them the rose that you from concrete, I just posed the question to the group like, well, what happens if you take a plant and you put it in a dark room? and what would happen okay well it dies and and then i said okay well well would it would it make any sense for someone to go in there and yell at this like dried up dead plant and blaming it for dying is it the plant's fault and then right you know so they got it right away and they said no it's not no not the plant's fault so you know so whose fault is it so again you know using that as a metaphor as another way to explain um, how we wanted to talk more about um, institutional uh, violence and racism and sexism. But at the same time, um, we did kind of have to, we were told to uh, not be as overt. So we had to, so we were thinking of other ways to do it. How can we bring this kind of political education or um, to these groups? to this group of women. So I think for the next one, um, so we learned a lot and I think that's, that's one thing that we can continue to, um, work on. Yeah. I'm excited for that. I was getting super turned up after that. Like, yes, we own something. <laughs> I think that was a good way to close, to keep them, to leave them thinking, right. And pondering about institutions. And What's stuff, that? Right. Like, cause we didn't start with that. We concluded with that. So also what we did on the final day is that we actually surprised them with their own Still I Rise poem. So um, we printed it on this beautiful background of um, multiple different women, um, white women, women of color, brown women, black women, um, holding hands in a circle. Um, that's the background of the image and we'll, we'll add it to the blog post. And it's all of their writing together um, in this beautiful poem. And they were just, when we read it, you know, and we each went around and read a line twice. It was so many lines that we went around the group twice in a circle. And they, they didn't necessarily read their own line that they wrote. And that was intentional. It's like, we are all one. We are all united and connected. And so, like, even if I didn't write this line and I'm saying it, I know that if I didn't experience it, that another sister in this room has experienced it. And so our collective healing is that we all still rise even above all this trauma. So this is how we closed. And some of the things that they wrote was, um, and I have, I have the one of the cards right in front of me. I came to prison, still I rise. I was told I was stupid, still I rise. I'm in prison for life, still I rise. I wake up inside these walls, still I rise coming from violence, still I rise. I'm not a mistake, still I rise. Being shamed as a mother by family, still I rise. So it's just, it was really incredible. And 
even just to see their reaction and just just happy. I think I I didn't expect uh kind of like that energy of like there was like laughter and it was like a lightness to it and we also um Trina also printed out these uh certificates of recognition for all of the participants and we get you know we would call their names and they would come up and like shake our hands and and I think it was uh really powerful to end on that kind of note where uh, we had this collective poem, we had their certificates of recognition, and then also knowing that it's it's not over and we do hope to and plan to come back again. But yeah, I do want to uh, read the certificate language that we gave them. Um, a certificate of recognition is awarded to this person for your participation in the Raising Liberated Children workshop. Um, we are proud of your hard work to break the cycle of intergenerational trauma by mothering yourself. You will continue to rise. Um, and so that was super powerful language that Cecilia helped us create um, to give to each person. And it was just a celebratory moment. And um, I'm really looking forward to going back. And we got so much positive feedback from the feedback forms that they completed. The key takeaway is that there are roses that grow from concrete in that in prison. Um, and we have to continue to nurture um, and invest the resources in those folks and not to discard them. So I'm looking forward to going back and continue that work. Yeah, and um, and I'm looking forward as well to continuing how to bring that, um, that message of um, liberation and women of color feminism to the people who need it the most or the women who need it the most. And... I hope that this is the start of um, a long-term relationship that we can build with um, the women inside of the institution and also to keep continuing to develop it um, with Trina. So we have a lot of ideas and um, a lot of hope. Yes. So like we're going to have more to come. Um, So be on the lookout for that. And then folks who are interested in doing the workshops locally, like we're thinking about ways to create a curriculum to bring this work into our communities and start to create communities of practice to heal from intergenerational trauma. Well, thank you, Trina, for um, working on me with this project and inviting me in. And um, thank you again for all of the supporters and those who um, sent us well wishes uh, for this work that we're doing and the support. And from here, it can only expand. Yes, and special shout out to Just Attention International for providing us access into the prison. And we really just want to dedicate this podcast and this whole session to all the women who are locked up in that prison, who gave so much of themselves and did the hard work of sharing their stories with us, um, who are thrivers and risers, and still they will rise.